Welcome to another episode of the Raw Paleo Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Zuckerman. Today's topic is going to be evolution. Now, let me start with the fact that I used to think that I understood how evolution works. Creatures have DNA. They pass on this DNA to their offspring. Some offspring die and some offspring live. The ones that live usually have a slight variation that allows them to have a better probability of surviving. As this happens, the DNA shifts slightly and this keeps going on and on. And all along the way, there are small changes that get generated either from mutation or just sexual recombination. And this way, over the matter of millions of years, creatures become different and adapt to their environment, starting out from something really basic like bacteria or even something more primitive than bacteria and then developing to all the creatures we know including ourselves the bipedal apes. However, recent years have shown that this understanding is probably not correct. Now science is always evolving so who knows what is actually true. But let me share with you some thoughts on the matter. So first thing we know and has been established repeatedly in recent times is epigenetics, which in English means that stuff that happens to an organism during its lifetime gets passed on to its offspring, and that's got nothing to do with DNA, at least not directly. For example, let's say that a rat has scary experiences while exposed to some smell and has developed a fear of that smell. The rat can pass on this fear of the smell to its grandkids and its kids as well, of course. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. There seems to be more and more epigenetics, or as they used to call it, inherited characteristics being discovered. And it seems to me that nowadays it's not the genes that determine what goes on, but actually it's a 50-50 split between genes and the environment. And there are a lot of examples showing this. For example, you can see when they clone an animal that it doesn't look like the original animal. It's obviously going to be the same type of animal, but it's going to look different. And sometimes really different. It can have a different fur coat, like completely different color, even though it has the same DNA. We're also discovering that animals, or well, plants as well, creatures in general, seem to be able to evolve very quickly at certain times. For instance, they managed to observe some bird that became a new species over two generations. They also ran an experiment, or at least observed, a lizard that over something like 10 generations, which for lizards is pretty fast, adopted to a vegetarian diet. And when I say adopted here, adopted to it, it means that its jaw changed and it even developed a new organ in its stomach specifically for this diet. Now how could it develop a completely new organ, something that should take millions of years? Well, like I mentioned, we are still discovering what's going on. My personal thought is that a lot of stuff is already in the DNA, which is like a raw library of modules or things that can be developed. And then it's the environment that determines what happens and when and how. To give another example, consider the butterfly. A butterfly has the same DNA as its larval form, its cocoon, and its egg form, but they're clearly not the same. 
same DNA, but clearly not the same thing. So this is epigenetics in play. It makes a huge difference. The difference between a butterfly and an egg. And how does the butterfly know when it should turn from egg to larva? Well, that is also epigenetically determined by the environment. Continuing on to some stuff that you don't learn in high school biology, is that we now know that your whole body affects what happens in your sperm or in your eggs, and those in turn affect your offspring. So for us who are on the diet, that should be good news because your investment in your health and in a natural lifestyle not only will benefit you immediately in your well-being, also in your long-term well-being in terms of health, like battling cancer and other diseases that most people encounter with high probability, but also your offspring benefits from this. And the converse of this is the famous Pottinger's cat experiments where the crappy diet of one generation affected the next generation. So it's not really news what I'm telling you about your lifestyle affecting your children, but it's good to think of it and realize that it actually contradicts a lot of the prevailing notions that it's your DNA that determines pretty much everything. Another related thought is that a lot of a person's development is affected by the nutrition of the mother during the pregnancy. It is also possible that something like that determines the sex of the child, which could also be determined by other factors like how many people of each gender are in the community. And in animals, we see also similar things. For instance, in certain beetles, if the parent is well fed and the beetles might develop like a huge horn that allows them to be aggressive and dominant, whereas if not well fed, then the beetles might not develop this horn and be more submissive and smaller. Another very interesting fact that I've learned recently is that it's been discovered that in the last 5,000 or so years, we humans have been accumulating mutations in our DNA at an astonishing rate. And these are, in fact, genetic diseases. Now, if you believe that these mutations can lead to evolution, then it's one thing, but if you believe that these sorts of mutations are mostly harmful, which is what I believe as well, then it makes sense to say that humans are actually devolving due to our environment becoming so shitty and toxic. Now, finally, I want to add one more interesting argument and try to think of its implications. So it's actually a creationist argument against the current theory of evolution. I think it's more of a, an argument against the mechanism, which, like I mentioned earlier, is not, it's probably not correct. But they always like to point out that something so complicated like the human eye cannot arise due to random mutations taking place. And not only that, but I think intrinsically in their argument, they're saying is that something so complicated cannot arise overnight in one generation. There has to be some sort of intermediate. You can't just get a whole human eye. You have to have some attempt at a human eye first. 
but we don't see this. Like if you look around at animals, you don't see them working on developing a new organ that's halfway. In other words, there is we don't observe any continuous evolution from nothing to new organ. And I think they have a point that something else is happening. And like I mentioned with the lizards, these lizards develop the organ in several generations. And it's like the DNA already had the blueprint for the organ. It was simply a matter of it being activated by the environment. And we know that the environment activates or deactivates various parts of our genes. There are different mechanisms and they're actually very complicated and layered. There's methylation, other things, and we know that every cell in our body is sending out messages in the form of like exosomes and mRNA to other parts of the body. And this is just the beginning. I'm sure that as we understand things better, we'll realize that there's a lot in play here involving viruses and bacteria and transfers of genes and the effects of the environment and they're all coming into interplay to create something really complicated and really amazing, which is... Anyway, these are some thoughts about evolution. That's it for today.